This is Coda Radio, episode 147, for March 30th, 2015. And welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this year's show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our distinguished and established guest on the East Coast guest. No, he's our host. <laughs> it's Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Misa wants to know what crack you're smoking. Well, I was I was gonna make a Jar Jar Binks joke, being that it's a. <laughs> I was gonna be like Jar Jar, our host, but then I, I decided, I, you know, people we haven't done that joke in so long. The people have no it's idea. It's a what very, was... very serious. Wow, that that went totally the wrong way. <laughs> well, I was thinking if I go Jar Jar out of the gate, like we've it's been so long, and that used to be a recurring gag, but it's been so long, like new people will be like, what the hell is he talking about? Well, that's the plan, right? I want to surprise them. I want to come out yeah. of nowhere, yeah. out of the trees. Yeah. Even. You know, I but I have been I have learned um, over my, over my years that if I if I put too many expectations on people, then sometimes they preemptively shut down. So I don't I don't want to expect Jar Jar. I want you to be comfortable. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You couldn't expect Jar Jar if you wanted to. Yeah, you, you wouldn't see Jar Jar coming. Jar Jar is a force of nature. All right, let, let's let, let's call it what it is. Jar Jar is the one true king. I just feel like sometimes though, like uh, I, I'm, it's not this isn't a safe space for me to express my need. To have Jar Jar encoder radio because I don't want to put those the stress of the expectation on you because I know it needs to be a natural thing. What's that... you need? What's you need, Chris? That's Mario. Damn it! Yeah, you see, this is what happens, and I don't need Mario. All right, anyways, fine. Oh. This isn't what today's episode's about. This is not what today's episode's about. Actually, <clears throat> we have a full doc full of topics today, uh, including a couple of great feedback items, uh, and it, you know, it apparently. It generates a ton of topics when we kind of get into the nitty-gritty of uh, specific laptops. And uh, I, so I had a little – just a bit of follow-up on that. Um, so we'll cover that today. Also, uh, some new job stuff and uh, just a little bit of HTML5 follow-up if we get to that. And then in the Hoopla section, we got some GitHub stuff. And if we have an opportunity – and we could always save this for a future episode if we run out of time. But uh, I wanted to talk about transitions, transitioning in like, you know, from – Really, like, it could be, like, <clears throat> your view on a particular technology. It could be a transition on uh, your job or, or maybe going from, uh, from work to contracting or contracting back to work. Or it could be your transition on, uh, you know, uh, something really simple. But I wanted to talk about how we can avoid resisting transitions so that way maybe we can get through it a little better and stay productive and keep our workflow I, going. I think that's a great topic, Chris. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your understanding. Uh, and I'll give yeah. you an example of a transition. So uh, uh, I ended up, and I'm not going to go into too much detail because um, oh Angela's going to kill me. But I ended yes. up with an LG Watch R, the, uh, the Android Wear, the one with the one true 360-degree display. And uh, <clears throat> I got to tell you, I'm pretty impressed. So, so uh, I have the now, so the Pebble has been, was sent to me by uh, Mr. Rob. So thank you, Mr. Rob, for uh, sending the Pebble. I guess I'm not really supposed to say how I got this one. I'll have more details on that maybe in the future. But 
Uh, so now I've had a chance to play with, I would say, maybe the best Android Wear watch. Maybe that's arguable. You might say the uh, Asus Zen watch maybe is a little nicer. But I wanted a really nice 360-degree display because I think that's an interesting design element that is a mm. really big contrast from the Apple Watch and a big contrast from the Pebble. So that, you know, to me, something really unique there. And it definitely feels like Android Wear isn't totally optimized for circular or, I mean, a 360-degree display. But it's it, it's usable. Um, it's definitely not bad. Uh, so Why not the uh, Moto 360? Um, well, the Moto 360 is, it, it's you know, I, this is just my opinion, but I kind of feel like uh, it's coming, um, it's, like, it's like the first generation of uh, Android phones. Like, you know, uh, the, the Droid phones are really good phones, and you could make an argument for a really long time why you'd want to get a Moto Droid over almost anything else, even after other phones had come out. But there's always limitations, like the CPU only runs at this, blah blah blah, like all these like little right. little nagly things. It's already happening with the Moto 360. Plus, okay. you have that you have that flat tire compromise, and I wanted to see a true 360 degree display. It always seemed like a compromise to me, a compromise device. And on top of that, this has a 1.2 gigahertz processor in it, so it's got a pr- it's the it's one of the fastest Android Wear devices out there. I've seen complaints, and in the video reviews I've seen of the Moto 360, it seems like the UI lags on occasion, and I definitely don't want my watch to lag, right? So I I, uh, I ended up with this. Uh, I got the. It's funny because of how I got this. I have the international version, so I don't I don't actually have a power plug for it. But I already have. You know, it just uses USB, and then it has a little docking station that it connects to. Nice. Uh, yeah. So I was like, okay, this is a little awkward. Uh, but it has a heart rate monitor. It's not you know it's not super fancy. The screen's pretty good. Um, it's two ninety nine from Google Play, and uh, it's 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 nice. You know, it's nice to have like um, a little device to just sort of when when a bit of information comes in, I can I can uh, I can decide if it's if it's necessary or not. I I think Apple's going to have a superior implementation overall. Uh, well, if, I mean, I mean, obviously, right? Well, I I don't know because the reason I say that is one thing I've already liked a little bit better about Android Wear is I kind of there are some really fun apps that I could already see Apple would never include and stuff like that that. You know, there's certain things you can do on a watch that I think Apple might not allow. I don't, I don't know. It's, t- it's, early, it's tough to say, but I, I, I feel like I've made kind of a transition on my stance on all this stuff. I, was a, I, I started on the Wear stuff as a pretty, pretty big downer on it. But one of the things that's been really valuable for me is – I know stuff is stupid, you guys. But I'm trying to get some of my – I'm trying to get better rest and I'm trying to get my health in a little bit better shape. So it's like to have – the heart rate monitor isn't accurate. It's not medical grade. But I was out for a walk last night, and it was nice to be able to just pull up the heart rate monitor and see what my heart rate was at. Uh, and and then, like, when I sleep, I use the uh, motion sensors uh, combined with a, a Sleep As Android app. And so I get an idea of what – if exercise is helping improve my sleep, and I'm getting data that is actually – I mean, to me, it's valuable information. Uh, and, and so the Wear devices – I could get that out of a Fitbit, but the Wear devices also give me notifications and they, they integrate with my messaging applications like Telegram. So for me, the Wear devices have some extra value. Like here, here's the, uh, here's the picture I took last night uh, if you're watching the, uh, <clears throat> the video version of the show. Here's the, here's the picture I took last night when I was out for a walk. And I, I just got done pushing uh, my, uh, my youngest daughter's um, stroller up a, up, up a gravel hill. Uh, and so I, when we got to the top of the hill, I busted out the uh, watch, and uh, I, had, I had my heart rate monitor going that time. So I have a history of my heart rate during sort of the most, ex, you know, uh, um, the hardest part of that of that of that walk. And so it's just kind of interesting now if I keep doing that, and I come back say six months from now, maybe the end of summer, and that number isn't 104 beats per minute, but maybe it's a lot lower. 
that gives me a sense of accomplishment and motivates me to continue to make myself feel better because I literally am seeing improvements. Like uh, I went and got acupuncture and I was like, this is, this is such hocus pocus. I am, I will do this because I've literally been trying everything and I'm going to check this off the box. I'm going to check this box. And then I saw, I, I had, I had about a month's worth of data and then there was that the night after the acupuncture, there was like this amazing difference in my sleep. And then it got better after each time. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute here. I'm actually seeing a difference in the data. Uh, and I can apply that to a lot of things. It's just kind of neat. I'm, I'm tracking steps and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. And I'm kind of going, I mean, <clears throat> as a bit of an experiment uh, and with some, with some trepidation, I'm kind of going all in too. Like I'm using, I'm using some of the features of Android <clears throat> that Apple just doesn't really expose like – if this, then that, and some of the more nicer things you can do with location tracking. So to really log a lot of things, like time spent at work, when I when I get to work and when I leave work, that's all automatically logged in a spreadsheet for me now. And every trip I take, my average speed, my average fuel consumption, my highest speeds and where that was at, my lowest speeds and where that was at, <clears throat> all that is being put into uh, spreadsheets for me automatically by these systems. And then I'm able to go back and start looking at trends. And I, funny enough, with the travel data, I have this. I have this. Uh, I have this uh, Android app that uh, ties in with a piece of hardware. It's called Automatic. Have I have I talked to you about this before? Yes. Yes, you have. All right. So then I won't go into the whole speech. So <coughs> those of you who are curious. <coughs> sorry about my. Uh, this is actually the first time I've really talked today, so my my uh, voice is a little clogged up. Uh, so I have an Automatic hooked up to the ODB two port in my truck that connects over Bluetooth to my Nexus five, and it gets all of the engine information that uh, the computer in my truck tracks. And uh, recently, an engine note, an engine light came on, saying, you know, on the truck on the dashboard, it's just a just the check engine light comes on. I have no idea from the dashboard what it's about, but that data is sent to my Android phone. The Nexus five looks up the database for my model of vehicle tells me that it's a vapor leak, right? So then I'm able to start driving. I keep driving for a while because I know it's not a critical problem, so I don't have to, like, you know, uh, upend my life for something simple. Uh, but it got worse over time. So I happen to go look at the spreadsheet data, and I can see a steady decline in my, in my fuel economy. So I can see exactly how much this problem is costing me. Uh, so we have it scheduled uh, uh, for next week to get fixed. It's just it's, um, it's, it's fascinating to be able to do all of this stuff uh, and uh, so I have, you know, you and I have both had a lot of negative things to say about Android, but uh, I can do some of this with iOS. But this is kind of letting me take it to a whole new level. Uh, and with Android Wear com- combining, it's a, it is an interesting other data point that uh, I'm collecting. No, I didn't know that uh, they were working on an API. That's that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. So if you have any questions about the LGR, Mr. Dominic, feel free to ask. But otherwise, I'll just keep using it for a little while and uh, I just got keep using it. Let's see now. How, what is the uh, daily battery life you're getting there? Uh, you know, so there's two ways <clears throat> to use it. Uh, there is, there is, and this is one of the things I like about the LGR, and I don't know if other Android wears do this. I think they might. There is actually an always-on mode. It's an OLED display on the LGR watch, and you can go to, like, this black-and-white clock mode, and the display is on all the time, which is kind of nice, and that help, makes it another competitive advantage with the Pebble. Uh, if you do that, the battery seems to, to die sometime when I'm sleeping. Um, the, the, the downside is my uh, my sleep is also a drain because all of the sensors are running on the watch constantly and then sending the data to the phone over Bluetooth the entire night. So uh, the LGR watch has one of the least impacts because of the sensor configuration in there, but it's about a 16 to 14% drain on the watch just to do my sleep tracking. 
So you have to kind of forgive that a little bit. But if I turn if I turn the always on display off so that it only turns on when I tilt it up to my face or when I double tap the display or I hit the digital crown or the or the physical crown there. Uh, if I do it like that, so the display is only on when I activate it, it seems uh, at the when I woke up this morning, after running it like that for a day, it still had 68% charge. And that was after monitoring my sleep. So 68% after a full day of use and monitoring my sleep, as long as I don't have the screen on all the time, just have it on when I raise it to look. All right, so that's not too bad. Right, yeah. And if I wasn't doing the sleep tracking and I just charged it at night, I would have always on display on by default. But because sleep tracking is pretty valuable to me, I'm, I'm willing to make that sacrifice. And I think that's kind of fair. Uh, I, I haven't figured out if, uh, if Google just hasn't enabled this yet, I guess. But it, it does not communicate with my phone over Wi-Fi at all. I was under the impression that an update had been pushed out to enable that, <clears throat> but I guess it hasn't been. So it's frequently disconnecting. It's near to the point of worthless in some regard because the watch is... The watch really has almost zero functionality without the phone, except for telling time. And if you right. go beyond the range of Bluetooth, and that that totally depends on your building. Like some buildings, that's a couple of feet, and some building that's across, you know, the house. And if you go out of range, then and the phone doesn't, unless you get an app, the phone doesn't tell you you're out of range. And so you just expect that you're going to be getting notifications, and you don't. The Pebble seem to be a little bit better about the range than the LG R, uh, but I keep reading that a Wi-Fi update will come out, and then it'll just sync up over Wi-Fi, and that should be a lot easier. Anyways, yeah, so there you go. I, uh, and uh, thank you to uh, the, the person who's listening who sent that to me. You know who you are, and uh, it's great to compare it. Uh, and uh, I, I do feel a little more locked into the Android platform these days, too. Uh, I, I was doing a bunch of Android dev this weekend. Yeah. That's all I have to say about it, Chris. Oh, really? No, it wasn't that bad. Oh, okay. Uh, will you build me a watch app, please? There's not enough, and I, I pretty much am buying every one that looks halfway decent. Uh, Chris, I will build it, and then I will charge you for it. Because, so uh, what, about like talking... a, what about a just a pusher to my watch? So like when, uh, or like a... you, you don't want that. No. Trust me. You do not want notifications from GitHub pushed to you That's true. at all. Well, and actually, if the GitHub app, the GitHub app will just add them anyways eventually. <clears throat> yeah, I'm pretty sure. So speaking of GitHub, though. Yeah. Yeah, oh baby, that was great. Yeah, in fact, isn't it still kind of going on right now as we do the show? Yeah, it was, it was flaky this morning, um, but the, here's the thing. Sometimes I, it flakes out of my connection here all, a little bit. <laughs> so it's just shitty for me all the time. Yeah, right? so I, I, <laughs> like over the weekend, it was just down, and I was like, huh, so okay, great. So yeah, they apparently are under a massive DDoS onslaught is how uh, ZDNet uh, is uh, calling it. They say GitHub is soft, suffering a massive DDoS attack deemed the largest in the website's history and believed to originate from China, of course. Oh, the coding website is popular repository, as you know, blah, blah, we don't have to read that part. In a blog post last week, GitHub said the distributed denial of service attack is the largest in the GitHub.com's history beginning March 26. At the time of the writing, the onslaught has yet to end. And uh, this was published, I believe, this morning, but let me double check. Yeah, this morning. Or actually, this afternoon. Yeah, so, wow. Um, so, so this is pretty current. Now, yeah, I, I've been following it a little, but everybody says it's China. Yeah. They yeah. really know that, or is it just because it's something that the Chinese do? Well, I, my understanding is this is basically about two pages up on GitHub. and Right, uh, they're like privacy tools. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so, uh, and... Uh, it's sort of it, maybe people are jumping to conclusion because of the connection, or maybe it's because of the origination of the attacks. Uh, that's a good Alan question because I haven't broken it down yet. Alan, I'm sure will, but sure. Uh, it, it. I always, and this is just 
skeptical Chris, always questioning everything. I always am a little apprehensive uh, at attribution because in my my actual like literal hands-on experience with attribution of attacks, uh, your first, second, and sometimes even third suspect is usually wrong. And it takes a preponderance of evidence before you can truly do accurate attribution. And sometimes it takes a lot of investigation. And that is usually a lot of time, especially when it's something that is a denial-of-service attack because of the nature of those and how those can be set up. It's extremely hard to accurately do attribution. So as somebody who's worked in penetration testing, I'm just very, very skeptical when an attack is ongoing and attribution is is already done. It's It's like labeling somebody guilty before there's ever been a trial. And just in my opinion, I know I know people. But, but don't uh, the Chinese have a thing where they can like block? And, and and you know, forgive my ignorance on this, but can't they just block sites on their internal internet? Right, and the see, whole grape. So why would they bother DDoSing GitHub? I don't know. To me, I, it seems silly. And the other thing is, it seems like this would be one of many. Right. What, well, yeah. I mean, come on, guys. What about Bitbucket? Atlassian gets no love. I mean, I I I don't get it. But you know, it does bring up an interesting point about. Okay, so GitHub has not had a superb track record um, in terms of security. Uh, what, what was it? What was it? Nine months ago, just almost exactly, actually, right? They had that big thing where you could push to other people's private repos, which is fantastic. Does this scare you, Chris? I mean, you're more of a sysadmin guy. Is this like yet another argument against those silly devs? We can't have this. You need, you know, you need an in-house server. Uh, you know, it definitely. When I heard this, I thought, "Oh man, I this is a, this, I am so glad nothing that Jupiter Broadcasting depends on is GitHub based." Right. And I thought, you know, because we've we've had discussions about like, man, wouldn't it be cool if our publishing process was Git based? Wouldn't that be really cool if like like everybody could contribute to the show doc over Git, and then Rikai would just you know push it to the website from Git, and we'd be all done. And like we've thought we've talked about that. And today, this morning, I'm thought, "Oh man, if we'd ever done that and actually used GitHub instead of GitLab." I would be a little concerned at this point. I, I really do kind of think if your infrastructure depends on it, it, it is sort of your – if you are providing anything that your users depend on, you really I, – I honestly think developers don't give enough thought to this a lot. I don't okay. think people – I don't think people fully – like people who make desktop software and all this stuff, I think a lot of them don't fully grasp the impact they're they're making, right? So, so let me give you the counter argument, right? Like, I I obviously like to run a, a GitLab instance on Do, but wouldn't you argue that even with GitHub's problems, they or any really hosted solutions problems, right? They're responsible for your data, so they back it up. Where aren't you more likely to lose your data catastrophically? Maybe less so with Do because of their snapshots and all that, but uh... but you have to set that up. Right? Yeah, I mean, um, you have to know to do that. That's the problem. That really is the problem. And I think I think what GitHub is good for is getting started. And then when you become a company and you become a business with with people that depend right. on you, then I think you then you have to start sort of you have to make that transition in your mind from a hobby to a business. And once you become a business with with customers that depend on you. I think you have a responsibility See, I, there. I've seen some scary crap on GitHub, though. Like Adam from Vancouver, hey Canada, is is right. Like if you're using Git correctly, the remote going down shouldn't yeah. be a real yeah. problem. But I've seen more and more. I, I I feel like I'm seeing a lot of people who are using GitHub rather than Git. And I know that sounds stupid and kind of pretentious to say, but 
you know, using Git as though it were SVN, right? Like, oh, or, let me check in one file at a time. Or using it as the community organizing spot. Right. And, and not to mention the issue tracker, the merge request handling. Right. Uh, there, there's all kinds of lock-in, which is okay. It's okay for them to have lock-in. That's actually but. more what I'm referring to is sort of uh, if, you're, if you have something where you are delivering and then that goes down. So right. you, this could be a product. This could be a client service. This could be an internal uh, web posting Platform. Well, there's also, you know, a lot of folks are doing uh, deployments automatically out of their Git repo, right? And there's a whole lot of tools for Azure, for Heroku that will take the URL of a GitHub repo, let's say for a Rails app, that you can just throw in. Uh-oh, they're on you, Mr. Dominic the Popo's coming to get you bad it's news. The GitHub, it's the GitHub police. The GitHub Popo. <laughs> the, the Octo Detective is coming. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you could do all this bad crap with GitLab, GitLite. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the, and the, I don't think GitHub has any bad intentions. You know, I've met them a couple of times at different conferences. They sometimes have the coolest booth at uh, yeah. at um, uh, uh, OSCON in um, Portland. They had, like, a DJ, a full-fledged booth with, like, speakers and a mixed DJ. And he was, you know, he had good music going. It was a fun booth. And they were next to Google, so they were rocking Google out, which was kind of funny. Maybe yeah, that's why Google said, shut down code. Having said all that, you know, if you're going for a job and you don't have a GitHub repo, that's, uh, that's a challenge, right? Right, if you don't have yeah. A GitHub so in a way it's almost like so can i can i tell you how i look at github as from a publishing standpoint i look at github like i look at youtube i gotta be on youtube i gotta publish on youtube tons of people discover us on youtube and then eventually move over to the site uh i sure as hell would never depend on youtube i would never want to be thought of as a youtuber not to disgrace him, because that's a great living. Good for you if you can make it work. But to me, being dependent on YouTube uh, for my long-term viability of my business would be long-term, like, eventual suicide. Maybe I'd get away. I'd get it quite a while, uh, but eventual suicide. I feel like making your, your project or your product depend on a service like GitHub is kind of the same thing. It's probably going to be just fine and dandy and make things work really swell for a really long time, but eventually there could be a really big cost with it. And, you know, every time I get a video pulled, or every time I get declined something because my count is in some sort of status, I am so thankful that I do not depend on that service. And when GitHub goes down, even though even though if I was just using it for code, I would probably be fine, I still think to myself, I'm really glad I've never made the decision to be dependent on GitHub. Like there's some things you, see, you can't I, avoid I dependency I on, but I, but in the GitHub scenario, I don't see like a big you lost access to GitHub and you lost all your code. I mean, we we had that happen once, right? I had yeah, that happen. Yeah, yeah. Three. What was it? Like six months ago? <laughs> yeah, or but longer, but yeah, longer, longer. Yeah, yeah. because they're the way they do can't account cancellations is retarded. But yeah, that's that right. Go. Oh my gosh, that was awful. Even if you prepaid it, they cancel it immediately. Um, why? You know, every single person working on your project is a backup. So what you lose is not really the code, right? You lose the documentation, but if you use the, the GitHub built-in markdown thing, you, which, again, you probably should have had backed up, you lose the issue tracking, which I think is the most painful, yep. the whole project management part of everything. Because that can take, you know, you're, you're buying yourself weeks of miscommunication once you lose that, yeah. which is just, you know, you're, you're going to pay for in tears later. Why... I guess I, I'm not buying it. Like if someone said, oh, gee, Mike, I did the thing you did and I lost my GitHub account. And I lost all my code. I would say, oh, gee, then you didn't use Git correctly. So you basically should have, you know, you used Git like it was Dropbox. Yeah. I mean, but That's maybe. why I always point my uh, local Git to uh, to Dropbox. No, I'm kidding. I, love, I think people do that. People do. I used to do that. Yeah. 
Um, I know. And I'm really, I'm not trying to say the uh, sky is falling at all. I, I really am not. But I just thought it was an interesting reflection since it's a topic, especially around GitHub, that we have talked about on the show for a few times. Yeah, what's really interesting is and how it, right ha- now. it has become ubiquitous. You can't be a dev realistically and not have a GitHub now, at least not someone working or looking to work in the startup space or anything like that. You just can't. Even if you prefer, you know, let's say Mercurial and Bitbucket, right? Yep, I know. I know. It's it's like uh, you can't – if you're a publisher, you can't not be on iTunes and YouTube. Right. This but we can, we can move on, Chris, because I know you're dying to talk about this next topic. I am. I am. I am. As always, Mr. Dominic, you know me. I have itches and they itch, they itch badly. Uh, and the first one is uh, let's solve some problems for you. Talking about building your own infrastructure and your own services, let's talk about using DigitalOcean. For a sponsor of the Coda Radio program, head over to DigitalOcean.com right now and use our promo code of absolute and total power. Why is it of uh, absolute and total power, Mr. Dominic? Do you know why? Do you know, do you know why our promo code for the Coda Radio program has so much power? All of the power. All of the power. It's because it's going to save you $10. It's going to let you try out DigitalOcean two months for free. How about that? That's pretty good. It's Coder Digital, one word, lowercase. Let me tell you about DigitalOcean and why you're going to want to use the promo code Coder Digital. They're pretty great. Like we were just talking about uh, building your own GitLab instance and your own infrastructure. It's never, ever been easier or simpler with DigitalOcean. They're a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up your own cloud server. It's not as challenging as it sounds, and you're going to really be just sort of uh, dumbstruck with how straightforward it is and kind of like at least for me it i i've kind of forgotten this because i've been using DigitalOcean for such a while now but i definitely had that moment of like oh crap i missed this one oops and, and it really like now i'm now i'm all in now i now i realize it is such an incredible service but you can get started in less than 55 seconds and pricing plans start at only five dollars per month you'll get 512 megabytes of ram a 20 gigabyte ssd it's all ssds even when you get the bigger rigs too it's all ssds they know what's up one cpu and a terabyte of transfer DigitalOcean has data center locations in new york san francisco singapore amsterdam and london and that one terabyte of transfer is going to get you exceedingly far i am always impressed by that uh and so i so i have own cloud on there i have BitTorrent sync on there i never come close uh, and I've heard from folks who have Minecraft servers on there, Mumble servers on there, GitLab servers on there. And uh, also, they just like, you know what, I still have extra bandwidth over now and then, so I see, like, my favorite distro release that month. I'm like, that's really cool. Uh, and they just sort of throttle it, you know, they just, it's really, it's a great way to go. And that interface for managing all of it is incredible. I mean, this is really where it's at. Uh, and this is sort of their, I think, their absolute final achievement with the whole DigitalOcean package. It's very intuitive, and you can replicate the functionality of this awesome control panel with their straightforward API. And even if you don't want to do that yourself, there's already a bunch of great apps you can take for you can take advantage of. And then on top of all of that, they have one-click application deployments to save you a bunch of time and get you going right away. And this is all current stuff. They follow the latest stuff. They're all, on, all in on Docker, CoreOS. They have free BSD instances you can mess around with. And then on top of all of that, they have really what's becoming the best tutorial section on the web. And the reason is because they actually pay the contributors for really good tutorials. And then they've hired editing staff to edit the tutorials to make sure they're very clear. They follow a standard. They have all of the visuals you need. Uh, and they're really they're industry leading. They really are industry leading. So go over to DigitalOcean.com. Check them out. Get yourself a rig. Put something really useful on there. Solve a problem. You'll be really impressed. If nothing else, go try out a rig for two months. Use our promo code, Coder Digital, one word, lowercase, Coder Digital. Get the $10 credit. Install something. Update it. See what it's like. And they also have hourly pricing available if you just need to do some app testing. Something like that. 
DigitalOcean.com, Coder Digital, and a big thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. All right, so uh, I got a couple of things I wanted to talk to you about. Um, I also had an email uh, uh, that we could read. So uh, you, uh, your pick, uh, Mr. Dominic. Do you want to talk about uh, laptop hardware, or uh, do you want to jump into uh, something a little deeper? Let's go deep. All right, hold on. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. So this week, uh, I've noticed uh, uh, that uh, I have gone through a series of transitions over my life, and every time I do it, I sort of learn something new along the way. And I, uh, transitions are kind of a loose term, uh, but it's the process of period of change from one state or condition to another. So it could be employment, relationship status, what vehicle you drive, uh, or what phone you carry, or what watch you wear. Uh, so that's, that's one form of transition. Uh, or it's maybe undergoing or cause or undergo a process or a period of transition. So, And that's sometimes the hard part is that period where maybe you're going through something that's rough, like unemployment, Mm. Or speak it, brother. Or winding to, or or like heading to unemployment, and you can see it coming, and you're like, I don't have, I'm I'm not through this yet, uh, and so I've I've experienced mm. a lot of, you know, my one a couple of my big transitions, obviously fatherhood, you know, marriage, um, a transition uh, from from uh, nine to five to contract work was a really big one for me. That was a huge transition. And then another really big transition from contract work to full-time podcasting was another really big transition. Uh, and then, you know, uh, relationships always go through transitions. Uh, personal relationships are always evolving. And, and sometimes you end up in a different place and you think, oh, you know what? I haven't really evaluated in a long time. And now that I rethink this, we're in a different spot. And that's a transition. And every time you go through the trend, these transitions, whatever they are, you end up somewhere probably usually better in the long run, most of the time. And if nothing else, you end up at a final destination. But sometimes along the ways, it seems like, at least for me, and I, this maybe other people are smarter about this kind of stuff, I am not necessarily an emotionally intelligent man. And one of the things that mm-hmm. I have noticed for myself is I sometimes become hyper-aware of the transition once I realize I'm in one, whatever it's about. And I sort of get anxiety about the fact that I'm in a transition process. Oh, if things are out of sort, things aren't the way they're supposed to be yet. Uh, I get impatient almost, really. Like I want to get to the resolution. I've, I think I know what the resolution is, and now I want to get there. But maybe I have to bring other people along with me, and they take more time or, or vice versa. And so uh, I, I, re- I, I have to constantly remind myself to try to not to resist the process of transition. Because we need transition. We require transition to fix whatever it is that needs fixing to move forward and to arrive at whatever our final destination is. Without the transition, we would never get there. Exactly, exactly. You know, change is a natural part of life. But I just want to jump back. You mentioned uh, emotions. Chris, can I help you with something just real fast? Preach it. All those emotions or rather feelings, I want you to take them, shove them in a little box. I want you to get some lighter fluid. I want you to get some Majorska vodka. Very yeah, important that it be Majorska. Okay. All I right. want you to get a match, <laughs> and I want you to let it go. <laughs> or in the words of Elsa, how much of this can I sing without YouTube taking you down? Let it go. Let it go. That's well, all exactly. Do, you just kind of yeah. have to just buckle up. And I know this sounds mean, but you just kind of have to go through it and allow yourself to go through it. And if you feel anxiety, say to yourself. You have to steer into it, right? It's like when you're driving on the highway on ice. Or perhaps a superior analogy when there was the the subspace shockwave from the Praxis explosion at the beginning of Star Trek VI. Mr. Sulu very confidently said, turn her into the wave. Right? 
Mm, that was the nerdiest version of that you could have done. <laughs> Thank you. And so my point is, don't be mad at yourself if you get anxious about a transition because things that new naturally make you anxious. You are a hairless monkey after all that used to live in a cave. It's okay to get nervous about new things. Allow that to be allow that and just let it go. Just the, let it go. The, the opinions of Chris Fisher are not necessarily the opinions of Michael Dominic. I, I agree. Let, let me, let but me I do agree with let it go. Here. So transition, right? The, the anxiousness, as you call it, is like Agent Smith from The Matrix. Very, now, very true. Yeah, he is. Mr. Keanu Anderson. Reeves spends like an hour and a half running yeah. away from this guy. Right. When all he had to do was stop, right. turn around, and let that guy hit him in the face. Yeah. Zach, you need to get hit in the face. What, Zach? Who, what? what? Oh, I mean, Chris, you need to get hit in the face. <laughs> Who's Zach? Zach is our coder of the week, actually. Oh. He's looking, he is looking for web development employment, and he's a big fan of Linux. So if anyone out there is a hippie and wants to hire another hippie, I can give him a good reference. There you go. Coder Radio, JupiterBroadcasting.com. No, but seriously, right? Because the more you run from it, here's the thing. Running away is always bad, in my opinion, especially if it's a work thing, because it's only going to get worse, right? Agent Smith only gets more yeah. freaking baller as yeah. the movies go on. It's very true. Yeah, especially as the movies go on. Then he gets right. really crazy baller, and then you really like got a problem. 80 of him. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I should have fought him when he was alone. That Matrix but, analogy, that Mr. Smith analogy applies to a lot of challenges in life. It does. I mean, you know, every about five years you end up transitioning. It's just the way it goes. Huh. You so, think? okay, maybe it's just me. No, I, you know what? That might be true. That might be true. Huh. I don't know. I'm trying to think of that if that applies to me. I think I'm always just slowly going through transition all the time. That's why I think I've... Sometimes I even fail to recognize when it's happening because I think it's mm. always happening. I'm a big fan of the pivot to use my startup lingo. Ah, where you make where you make a decisive change. That's like when I, when you say pivot, what I what I visualize is say transition to me is something that takes a while. Like you can transition from being a Python developer to a Ruby developer, but that would take a long time. But a pivot is like tomorrow I start working on on Ruby. Yeah, see, I'm a big fan of the the, the latter rather than the former. Just right? tomorrow, you you get yeah, cold turkey. Well, because I feel like you need to you need to rip the bandaid off. Right? It's you don't want to be in limbo because limbo, you know, if it's let's say professional life, right? If you're at a job and you're unhappy, well, the longer you linger there, the more unhappy you're going to get, mm. the more bitter you're going to get. If you're you know at a business and it's not going well or you're unhappy, well, the longer you stay there, the more damage you're going to do to yourself. You need to just. You need to just do it. You need to steer into it, rip that Band-Aid off, and get hit in the face by L. Ronda Frivendell. Boom. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, on that extremely motivational note, uh, I would like to thank uh, Linux Academy. You know what you need to go do? Linux Academy. Uh, seriously, uh, Art runs Linux on yesterday's Linux Action Show. I think that was uh, 358. I don't know. It's hard to keep track these days. But we had a super epic runs Linux and the guy got the gig after going to Linux Academy. He works at one of the top supercomputers in the world, and it's this super great IBM server farm. And uh, the, we, we played the whole video in, uh, in our Linux Action Show episode yesterday. But he said, you know, in his email he sent to us, I got this gig after attending Linux Academy. And that's why I, I really feel like Linux Academy is one of the best fits for our audience that we, we've ever had from a sponsor. You can go to linuxacademy.com slash coders to get our Coder Radio discount. That'll take some money off of your tuition. And once you get subscribed, you're going to get access to all the content that Linux Academy has. They have a super deep back catalog, and they're adding new content all the time at a pretty rapid pace. Uh, I would say weekly, really. Uh, and in fact, uh, um, let's see, I think it's the 16th. Yeah, it's April 16th at 9 p.m. Central. Linux Academy is going to have a live stream where they're going to roll out one of their largest content updates yet. 
So you might want to check that out. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash coders and sign up and get a sort of a tour of all of it, see what Linux Academy is about. And uh, then when uh, that live stream uh, comes around, you'll have access to it as a member. And uh, you can see all the new cool stuff that's coming up. So what is Linux Academy? Well, it's a great way for you to learn at your own control. And it's built by people that are truly enthusiastic and understand Linux, open source, and the technologies that are around that, like the DevOps stuff that we talk about all the time on this show, Ruby and Python development, all of the really cool stuff that people are working on today. Linux Academy is also very enthusiastic about it. They don't do this like this general training where they'll do everything from After Effects to fixing the exhaust on your truck. I could use that. But I wouldn't go to Linux Academy for that. There's a good reason. They're hyper-focused. They really genuinely are members of the open source community. They care about this stuff, and their work reflects that. And that's why when you go there, you get the best training on this content available because this is really their bag. And in fact, one of the things that I appreciate about that is they recognize some of the fickleness of an audience like that. You know who you are, Linux users. Mr. Dominic would call you out, too. They recognize the fickleness, and that's why they will let you choose from 7-plus Linux distributions. You choose your distro. All of the courseware automatically adjusts to match that distro. That's pretty cool. It's also a neat way to transition distros if you have to learn another distro. But it, it also extends out to things like the virtual machines for the lab and the courseware. And they'll just spin up the virtual machines for you. They'll give you a public IP address you can SSH into. And Bob's your uncle. You're now working on a machine in the lab, and you're getting hands-on experience with this stuff. You're really ready to go take the test when you're done. And people, you can check it out in the community forums. I mean, people are passing these tests, and I get emails all the time. You get to keep track of your progress and log back in and pick up right up where you left off, get summaries of how long stuff's going to take you, download the comprehensive study guides and the audio companions that go with them so you can study on the go, too, so you can keep learning really get more out of your investment at Linux Academy. It truly is an investment in you. When you go to linuxacademy.com slash coders, you get a great Coder Radio discount. linuxacademy.com slash coders. And a huge thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Keep it up, guys. And I can't wait for the 16th of April. April's going to be a big month. Thanks, Linux Academy, for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Uh, speaking of April, uh, I'm very excited about Linux Fest Northwest. I think everyone is in now. Everyone. Yes. Uh, um, I, the only, the only I'm, I'm calling him out again. He's going to hate this. But I, I, the only guy I don't think is actually in in is Rikai. He'll be here at the studio. So if you come to the studio, you get to meet Rikai. But um, he, he has sort of a mystique. To, uh, honestly, I think he's – Rikai has a very magnificent beard, Mr. Dominic. Mm. Uh, and you'll witness this when you get here. Um, it, it will – Probably one of be the most impressive beards you've ever seen in your life in person. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I, I've seen some significant right. beards. I, I, I don't doubt that. I do not doubt that. I am I am making that assumption and still making that proclamation. Oh, that's yeah. a bold statement. Well, a bold I, statement I think, for Rikai. I think his beard can live up to it. But the thing is, you see, when you have a beard of this stature and perhaps elegance. Uh, you become a target of people with uh, pretty traumatic beard envy. And so he doesn't like to leave the studio very much. And so I don't know if he's going to come up to the crew dinner in Bellingham the night before. Uh, but you'll love this. I heard food. What? Yeah. We're going to have a crew dinner Friday night after we set up our booth. And Fedora is throwing a board party, a board game party. I insist on getting a hat. Uh, what? Don't, no, don't not, make hats. No, no, no. The, 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 it's a Linux distribution, Mr. Dominic. It's a Linux I'm, distribution. I, I'm sorry. I, no. Linux is called Ubuntu. Uh, <laughs> wow, you got and me with that, send yeah. your feedback to Alan at Uh So uh, Fedora Jam Night uh, is also going to have music. So Fedora is going to be playing music at the Linux Fest Northwest. So you you got to understand, Fedora is going to rock this stuff. A uh, board game party. 
Uh, I think it's going to be at the Hampton Inn Friday night, but I'm not sure if you're going to be making it out there, audience, to Linux Fest Northwest. Uh, we'll, right. So we'll, the actual Linux Fest is Saturday and Sunday, and we'll be live streaming both Saturday and Sunday. So if you're a quarter radio listener and uh, you want to see some un, uh, Dominic Unplugged and uh, Uncensored on the live stream on Saturdays and Sundays, tune in. That'll be uh, – um, let's see. What Listen, is it? I am going to be off the chain at Linux Fest Northwest, oh, literally. Yeah. I, I, I'm actually not going to be chained. And – my plan is to ask people, first of all, what is Linux? Who is Linux? And where could I buy Linux? Then you're just Every single person is, is I see. They're not accurate. They're fools. I expect to get punched in the throat a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think you're gonna have a good time. It's April 25th and 26th. Oh, if you can't make it, we can at least live stream it. And uh, I think the shirts are done now. I think the shirts all done. Teespring.com/slash. Oh, I missed the shirt. I suck. Let me see. Let me see. You could actually probably still reorder. Yeah, seven hours. Seven hours left. Teespring.com/slash Linux. It might let you order for a day or so after. We made three. We sold 312. Uh, so uh, that'll nice. that'll definitely that's definitely gonna at least help with some of the cost. The thing is, is this, this is going to be our biggest one yet, so this will also be our most expensive one yet. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. I, 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 hope, I hope everybody has a really good time. I hope nobody gets the, uh, the plague like I got that one time. I, I really uh, got sick one time. Wait, wait. Linux gave you a disease? <laughs> Actually, I think it was the BSD guys. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't mess with BSD guys. They you scare know, me. You know, I'm a little, I'm a little worried because uh, – Chris Moore, you know, creator of PC BSD, co-host of the BSD Now podcast with Alan sure. Jude. Him and some other IX folks are coming out, and I, I am definitely sensing some kind of BSD ambush. Is this going to be like a sharks greasers kind of thing going on? I like, I feel like they're going to like, I feel like what they're going to do is like encircle like weak Linux users and convert them like they're at Linux Fest to BSD and they're gonna like get like a like a like try to get like a hundred or two people and they're gonna like get on our live stream and and proclamate the benefits of BSD. I I I I have so, sensed that there is some sort of impending plan, but I have not been able to completely put it together yet. But there is something in the works, and all I know is that it's the BSD guys that are planning it. So you know what I say to you then, right? Hmm. You've made too many sacrifices already. Counterattack. Counterattack, baby. Yeah. You cannot sacrifice the enterprise. Right. I gotta go after BSD at like a level that hurts on the stream if they do it, and I'm not gonna do it. I will not fire the first shot, but I'm gonna have material ready. I think. I mean, isn't BSD just the crappy thing they built Mac from? Right. You know, isn't it a shame? I mean, they must be really embarrassed. They've been around for so long, and just to watch Linux lap them over. And oh, wow, I know. And then to get totally misappropriated by Apple. Oh, it's got they to finally suck. make it to the desktop and they get no credit and most of all of their guts ripped out and just their tools used. It's uh, Yeah, so I, I think we could do fine. Yeah, we'll be fine. Yeah, you and I, you know what? So there we go. So if that happens, I'll just give you like a, like a, like a, you and I will come up when you get here in person, we'll come up with like a hand signal and I'll give you the hand signal. You just run over. Well, actually, Uncle, Mike. T- Uncle Tim gave me a very special version of the Apple Watch. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Mighty Morphing Power Rangers from the 90s, <laughs> but it will actually turn me into the Steve Jobs Ranger. You know, maybe I should get an Apple Watch so that way I could, like, like send you my heartbeat when the BSD guys are, uh, are, are at oh, the you're, you're just going to hear, do, 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 done. <laughs> that's it. Do, 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 do. There we go. <laughs> and it's over. It is on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> And you just come running over, you jump over the fedora booth and, and plow through the open Sousa booth. <laughs> Why is there a lizard here? Oh. 
Oh, that'll be good. So good times had by all. Um, you know, before we run, uh, I had uh, okay. Let's a couple pieces of feedback. We've been bad about feedback lately. We, we haven't um, sucked at feedback. So uh, nearby coder wrote in. I just like this one. I think with new job, new language. I currently started a new job about three weeks ago. Originally, it was a PHP dev job, and since I have knowledge in that area, I was not concerned about my performance. A PHP dev job. Just jump your alley, Mr. Donnelly. Uh, however, uh, a new site that this company is starting up is a Rails app. Good, good. I know. Michael was right. Anyways, I've read through the Michael Hartle book or whatever. Great read, Chris. If you decide to move forward, you can link here at railstutorial.org. I would love to say again, Michael is right. Rails really is the superior language and framework. I found that many things that would oh. take hours to do in PHP to be more to be mere seconds in Rails. Once the there fest is over... Chris, go hard on Rails slash Ruby. You will not be disappointed in the power of gems as well as I am no as I'm uh, as I am not so worried about my performance due to the ease of Rails and its convert uh, convention over configuration. Sincerely, nearby coder. Oh man, that's a pretty compelling pitch. Now, what got me back on Python is somebody made a pitch for the audience. He said, "Chris, think of the audience. They're going to want to hear more about Python than Ruby. Your audience is going to be just on average because of their Linux nature is going to be checking out Python more often. It's more in, it's more in line with what your audience expects. Uh, that resonates very, 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 very deeply with me. And so I switched. That made me switch over to Python. But no. then this guy's this guy's applying to my 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 long term nature, which is lazy and and pragmatic." And that generally will make me want to use things like gems to get the gerb done because i got to go out there and do a show. Now I'm all screwed up again. So it's just really all – just this is really hard. Okay. Let, let, me, let me help you again with the best decade ever, the 90s. Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> he spent his life running around liberating helpless animals. Yeah. From Linux using evil Dr. Robotnik. I'm oh. sorry, BSD using Dr. Yeah, Robotnik. Yes, thank you, thank you. And he used – he did not use, you know, hyper po- – I don't even know what PHP stands for. It's so disgusting. Personal homepage uh, Thank you. He didn't project. use some silly, silly PHP scripts to At power himself up. He used rock hard gems. I'm sorry, what? To go s- – gems. He, right? In the games, he uses gems. He gets the gems at the end of the level. Oh, you're right. He does, doesn't yes. he? Yes. He is advertising Ruby on Rails. Sonic does show us the way, doesn't he? He does. Because then when he gets all his, his gems that he needs in his gem spec, he can fly <laughs> and is invincible. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. So what you're saying is – I as, should... for, as for Python, let's think back to your early Christian teachings. Hold on. Before you, go too far, before you go too far from that, I, that was such an epic reference. I got to give you a full call out for that. Uh, that, that was good. Hey, guy, you're the first serious gamer I've seen all morning. Check this out. <laughs> Brand new 16-bit Super Nintendo with Super Mario World. Wow. Oh, what's this one? Oh, this is a Sonic the Hedgehog from Sega Genesis. Hey, look at these radical colors, huh? Wow, Sonic's fast, too. No, over here. I like Genesis, and it costs a lot less. Wait, kid, that game I'll there. take Sonic and Genesis. <laughs> I knew that. Sonic the Hedgehog. More action, more speed. Sega Genesis, it's a whole lot more for less. You know what? Sonic just gets it done, Mr. Dominic. He just Sonic, gets it done. Sonic is the true spirit of open source. <laughs> he's cheaper, he's free, and he's, he's saving helpless baby right. animals. I mean, are, Chris, are you against baby animals? You know, I love baby animals. All right, I, I then, love then, them. But I think we don't need to talk about this anymore. And, and as for Python, right? Genesis. It is not a little gem that's talking to Eve and telling her to eat the fruit. No, it's a snake. And even more more modern, right, for, for, our, for our non-Christian folks. Um, Voldemort, he doesn't travel around with a little gem. It's a giant snake. 
need I say more? Mm, I can't argue with that either. Sound logic. I've never really thought about applying these things to these kind of decisions, uh, but this sort of philosophy you've developed, uh, I think, is uh, is sound. And uh, one that I'm going to reflect on and make my dis- I will announce my decision on the episode following Linux Fest Northwest, and I will stick to it. Bum, bum, bum. That's my – that's my uh, – boy, that was the worst title suggestion I ever did because I did it while I was talking. But you get the gist of what I was – somebody fix that up. Make that look a lot better and then you'll get to win the title, I bet, because I really butchered that one. Uh, Mr. Dominic, we've got more feedback to get to as well. Uh, and maybe – you know what? I'm feeling really generous. Let's just do one more and then, and then we'll do what? Let's that. do Yeah, let's do another. Come on. We got time. We got uh, time. All right. So I, uh, Phil, Phil and C wrote in and he said, uh, I was listening to episode 146. That's last week's episode. And you were talking about a Linux laptop for your trip to Linux Fest Northwest. He said there was lots to think of as usual. It was well worth the listen. Well, thanks. That's actually really – for some reason, that particular comment is like the nicest comment. I think we get yeah, he, he must have been drinking, but let's just keep moving. Yeah, oh, very good point. Very good point, yeah. Uh, he says, laptops for Linux. System 76 have become very cost competitive, especially after Lenovo's recent stumble. An i5 Gazelle with 16 gigabytes of RAM would probably be just fine. I wouldn't leave Ubuntu on it. Sorry, Ubuntu people. But would go with Fedora 21. <clears throat> uh, won't go into the reasons here, especially since Matt Miller main, main interviews made the case for far better than I could. Well, good point. I have really low-end uh, Acer Chromebook C720 running Fedora 21. He tried uh, Chromium, and I mean Chrome OS, but he wasn't a big fan of it. Uh, he says uh, that it has been a hard challenge for him, but uh, don't think of any Chromebooks as suitable for developers. He says he doesn't really face it. He says face it. Whether you're an independent developer or a sysadmin, there's no such thing as regular business hours. So even a travel laptop needs to be able to get the job done in a pinch. That is so true. Uh, just not the case with Chromebooks. That's not the need they were designed to address. And that is – so we very briefly touched on Chromebooks, and you were like, hmm, uh, maybe – yeah, no. I'll extend that even further. For me, uh, it, it, I feel like it's a big limitation when I don't have uh, Ethernet. If I don't have mm. Ethernet, I feel like I'm limited. So, you know, I didn't talk about it a lot, but I got that XPS 13, and uh, the, one of the reasons I wanted it is super light and portable, but high-resolution screen, so I can fit as much stuff on the screen as possible. And that's worked out pretty well for me. It's a good combination. The, the, the main thing that constantly trips me up is I just also want a dedicated GPU or at least a really fast GPU. And it's got the Iris graphics in there. But, like, Chrome can still make the CPU fans kick up. And I, I, I don't know. It's just I, 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 still, I still yearn for a day where I can have it all. I can have two pounds. I can have a 13-inch 4K screen. I can have a, an i7 processor and a mobile NVIDIA GPU. And 10 hours of battery life. I know. It's crazy. It is crazy. But that's, so, what, I, that's what I pine for. So have yeah. you made any decisions? Are you going to do a machine at all? Or I'm going to hold off. Yeah. Um, but one machine did get released that I'm really interested in. Not a laptop at all, but the Meerkat by System76. This is a, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that might end up, or almost certainly it's going to be what I do. Because I'm going to need a new home computer eventually. Um, and it's inexpensive. Yes. And it's kind of cute. I did like, the math. If you built one yourself, you'd probably save about 180 bucks. But uh, I'll tell you, uh, I built my first NUC myself, and I just did one small thing. I got the voltage of the RAM off just a tiny bit. I just I bought a package off Amazon. It was like a bundle. Get the NUC and the memory and an SSD as a bundle. Right. And I, and I thought to myself, well, if Amazon is bundling this, it must it all must be, be correct. It must be compatible. Yeah. No. No, no. It was just like they algorithmically bundled it or something, and so I, my, you know, my first experience was very disappointing because I assembled the whole machine and it wouldn't turn on, and when it, yeah. and it was very hard to troubleshoot at first, uh, and so uh, it, just avoiding that whole thing, that whole disappointment, would be worth almost a hundred bucks, and then you figure you get support with it too, 
and it's pre-configured. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think this is a good machine. Uh, this having having own, owned two NUCs, um, this you will be amazed uh, at. Get it with an SSD. Definitely yeah. get it with an SSD, and you will be amazed at the performance. And you can actually still fit a larger, like a two point five inch drive in this too. You can have. Yeah, two I drives. saw that. That's a little crazy, but I I think this is probably the way to go. Yeah, and when you're just doing normal stuff, it's pretty much silent, uh, and it can even mount to the back of a monitor. It has a monitor mount. It comes with a mount, which is epic. I don't know if the System Seventy Six one does, but you can buy a mount off Amazon if it doesn't. Right. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I, I, oh yeah, and they laser engraved the logo, which is pretty cool. And there's a few tweaks they've made to it. They're not. Uh, I guess they. I I haven't gotten the full uh, the full uh, brief yet, but I guess. I initially thought they were kind of just rebranding a NUC, but I've been uh, informed that they're actually doing a few other things, including some firmware tweaks and stuff to make it a little easier under Linux. And I, the, on the, the, so then the, the final thing that I think makes the Meerkat worth it, and this is sort of applies to all System76 machines, is if you mess something up and you, you, you wipe and reinstall, you will not have to spend hours tweaking Linux to make it work again. And so the, the cost of nuke and paving is low. Uh, and, and to me... That is what makes a really great Linux rig, is if I can wipe it and not have to spend a couple of days tweaking it to get the Wi-Fi working just right or make sure the sound, you know, or all the stuff that you sometimes have to do with hardware that is not exactly designed to run Linux. And there's not really a way to associate a cost with that because what that is is that saves me time when I'm probably in the worst place. When I've something's gone wrong, i got to oh, reload sure. my rig. And I'm not very happy about it. Or I just want to, you know what, I just want to freshen it up and I want to get that done nice and quick and get back to work. Either way, that's when time is very valuable for me. So the fact that, like, with my Bonobo or this Meerkat or, in, in this case, the Nux here in the studio, uh, it is, it is, there is a very low cost to reloading, especially with all the cloud services that pull my data back down. And all of the – so I, the key is all of the hardware in this Nux is supported natively by the Linux kernel. Right. There's nothing outside the Linux kernel you need to make it work. And that's you know what? That's also true for, uh, I think, really close for uh, for Windows. It's very, very little work to get Windows working and very little work to get OS X working on it, too. Well, what's, what's surprising to me is how, you know, af- affordable it is. I mean, if you just go through, yeah. you know, you need to pump that up to 8 gigs of RAM, yeah. 250 SSD probably. Um, the only thing you can't touch, it seems to be the the uh what do you call it the cpu yeah and I, yeah. I i suspect in a couple of months they might have a one with a better cpu a little more powerful version but still yes. for for just like a simple work machine for yep. doing obviously ruby on rails with tails yeah um you're you're in great shape yeah it, it's the nux here in the studio have one we have i think we went i5s i can't sure. remember if we did both i5s or one one's an i5 and one's an i3 i can't i think they're identical almost but see if i got it i would want to get it from system uh, system 76 no this is not a commercial for there them. you go look at that yeah they're not a sponsor of the show yeah uh, because look at that they have it mounted right there on the monitor that's what i'm talking right. about how cool is that yeah you see that that scares the crap out of me i wouldn't do that but why there's no moving I parts would, really i would just be afraid of like if well, i not it's yeah. it's screwed on it, there's okay. a plate. It comes. There's a there's a custom design plate for the. For so it's that. not like a pressure pressure clasp no, thing. No. So, okay. Um, <clears throat> and then and then the nice thing is you don't hear it at all. It's totally silent. Yeah, I mean that that really really does. So this is yeah. They're shipping this with the i3 2.1 gigahertz. So you get two cores and then with hyper threading four threads. You know not uh, that's not bad for for some basic work. Um, it's not going to be you know you're not going to really get like. You know, you're not going to game on this, but like it's not going to be your main rig, probably, right? It's going to be, it's really a great transition PC too for someone who wants to maybe go from Mac or from uh, yes, 
Yeah, from like Windows it, to Linux. If yeah. you had like you know, if, if your MacBook is your main machine, but you wanted a dedicated machine that runs Linux, this would be a really low hassle Linux rig that doesn't take up a lot of space. In fact, this is a better Mac Mini, isn't it? That's designed to run Linux. Oh, it's a more affordable Mac Mini, right? I bet and you, you, they could, just, if, just, if, if they could sell, if they could pitch this to Linux devs that or to to, to to iOS devs and Mac devs that also need to have Linux a Linux rig, this is way better than a VM. Yeah, but the, so the problem there is like services like Do it, it it is just so affordable to spin up like yeah tons of Linux. No, systems. it's more like if you need a local Linux rig to do something, um, or you want the if desktop. You need to, let's say you're writing a Qt application or Qt for those people. Um, yeah, it might be better to test it natively, I guess, rather than test it in VMware. I don't know. See, see, we talked about this last episode. I don't want to get too much yeah, into it. You're right. You're right. Yeah, uh, but the Meerkat is interesting. It's it still continues to be. Um, I mean, system- a little underpowered. If it had the i5, I think it would be a much. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a, a yeah. no-brainer. And you yeah. could build your own. There's just a, you know, like I said, there's three or four things that make it really compelling to go with a pre-built rig from them, and you're you not know, saving that much money. I don't think you're really not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, and it seems like uh, they've they've put some serious thought into this. Yeah. I can't wait to hear more about uh, about. So they're gonna they'll, they'll probably brief me on some of the customizations. I usually get a. I usually get a call at some point, and it's like, here's some of the stuff we did, and then I find nice. out about all this stuff. Like, like apparently, like I, I made assumptions about the customizations they made to my Bonobo, and I made those assumptions, I think, either before. I can't remember. I think I had the call before the review, so they didn't go into the review. But there's actually some, you know, they opened the machine up and do some soldering on the motherboard and fix some, some stuff that made it work a little better with Linux for the GPU and stuff. It was totally value-add. I didn't even know they did. You wouldn't even know. So the same, it could be the same thing happening with the Meerkat. Uh, all right. Yep. Well, Mr. Dominic, is there anything else we need to cover here on the uh, Coder Radio program? No, nothing. Ooh, I like that. I like it. I feel like we've had a good cleansing today. We've got through some stuff. Maybe we've helped some people that are going through a rough transition or other, people thinking about their hardware. Maybe we've encouraged you to attend Linux Fest Northwest. Either of that would be great. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you'd like to send folks throughout the week? Just DominicM.com. I can handle that. Why don't you do me a solid? Fa- uh, follow me on uh, Twitter, Chris LAS, or... I bet it's been a while. We could use some new reviews in iTunes, so that way if new people find the show, please find Coda Radio in iTunes. Why don't we all do the MP3 feed? It helps if we all focus on, on one, mm-hmm. and then the algorithm notices us. That would, I, and we don't have a lot of iTunes users, so if you're one of them, we really would appreciate it. Or if you've got an iPhone or something like that, you can help us out. iOS device. And join us live next week. We do the show Monday, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of Coda Radio. See you right back here next week. <laughs>